Hey, what's good, Wizards fans? Chris Miller here. Welcome to the latest episode of the Off the Bench podcast presented by the Alibaba Group. What a great debut last Sunday for Kristaps Porzingis. 21 minutes, 25 points, two blocks. Yeah, the unicorn was in full effect. Coming up on this episode, we'll do a two-for-one. How about Anthony Gill and Corey Kispert on this episode? AG will talk about just being a great teammate, and we'll talk a little bit about March Madness also. And for Corey Kispert, he has continued to improve each and every month of his rookie season. We'll talk about the three-point shooting aspect of his game so far this year. All that and so much more coming up. Just a reminder this week, the Wizards are on the road out west, taking on the Clippers, the Lakers, the Portland Trail Blazers, and then closing out against the Golden State Warriors. All right, sit back and relax and enjoy this latest episode of the Off the Bench Podcast with Anthony Gill and Corey Kispert. Wizards fans, we're partnering with Clear to make your game day a great day. With the free Clear app, not only can you use Health Pass to easily show proof of vaccination, but you can also use the app to enter the arena faster through the Clear lanes. Get started today by downloading the free Clear app, tapping the black Sports and Events button on the home screen, and selecting Washington Wizards. Then head to the Clear lanes located at the 7th and G Street entrance across from Clyde's. When you arrive, you'll take a quick picture at the Clear Pod to confirm that you are you and walk right in. No crowds, no hassle. Download the free Clear app today to get started. AG, welcome to the Off the Bench podcast. We were in Detroit in early December when I really officially first met you, and I was like, man, I got to get you on the pod. I apologize for the, the <laughs> length of that uh, request, but how's this season kind of been for you? Um, it's been fun. First and foremost, I'm happy to be here. You know, I, I watch all the kind of, I watch all your stuff and I'm like, man, well, it'll be nice to get on there one day. And then we met in Detroit and I was like, okay, I'm waiting on my time. Patiently waited, patiently waited. Got the call earlier this week. I was like, it's my time to shine. So you said I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm loving it. So, but it's, it's been a great year, man. We've, uh, we've been through a lot this year. It's a trade deadline to hold the whole team turned around. Um, you know, we're a different place than we were at the beginning of the season uh, mentally. Um, so I'm, I'm enjoying this year a lot. When I look at somebody like you, I see a guy that has an opportunity and really making the most of it. But I would assume I'm assuming here that not playing, having days where you don't play. Mm -hmm. What are those days like compared to those days when you do get your number called and you're able to go out there and compete for your team? Um, I guess I can just break it down into kind of some categories. Physically, I feel worse when I don't play. You know, it's my body is so adjusted to going out there on the court every single day and working really hard and moving a lot. Um, so when I'm just standing there on the sideline, you know, my body is just like gets real stiff and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so physically, it's a lot. It's a lot different. Uh, I feel a lot better when I play. Um, mentally. Uh, this is part of my job, so I take it. I take it serious, and and I kind of love this role of never knowing when I'm going to get in the game, you know. And and I I thrive in it because I know that when I do get called, I have to be ready, and, um, and that's a thing that I just work every single day when I'm getting my shots up or I'm in the weight room. I I, I cater my workouts to, towards how my career has gone thus far in the NBA. Is I never know when I'm going to get in the game, so. Before I get in a workout, I just go straight into shots. So just like if I get thrown into the fire in the game, I get straight into the workout, just straight into the fire in my workouts as well. There has to be a mentality, though, of being prepared for playing or not playing and still being engaged 
in the game. Mm -hmm. Have you always been kind of that way? I know you played more college playing overseas, but this NBA experience, how did you wrap your mind around the professional side of it? Because it's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. I mean, if you look at guys throughout the NBA, if you look at the beginning of the season, the bench is up. Everybody on the bench is up. They're excited. The first player through the 15th players, you know, they're excited about it. As the season goes on, it, it kind of you know, kind of teeters off and, uh, and guys lose that enthusiasm and everything like that. But for me personally, it's easy because I love every single guy out there on that court. Um, you know, I, I want the best for them. I want the best for Denny. I want the best for Hau. I want the best for Kuz. I want the best for B. I want for everyone. I want the best for the coach, um, our equipment staff. So I, I love everything to do with this organization and, and the people that are here. And, you know, Tommy's done a great job of putting great people together. Um, and, you know, for me, it's easy for me to do my job when I love everybody out there. So, Tommy said when you first got here, I said, describe AG to me. And he said, great teammate. First thing out of his mouth, great teammate. How do you become a great teammate? You talked about having the love for these guys, but mm -hmm. how do you do that? Like, how do you come in every day being a great teammate? Um, it's definitely something you have to check yourself at the door every single okay. day you come in is what am I here for? Am I here for myself or am I here for the next man? And every day before I step into the facility, every day before I interact with each one of my teammates or my coaches or the staff here, anybody around here, I just check myself and make sure, am I fully invested in that person right now? Mm -hmm. And that's my whole goal. Um, you know, I live my life like that. You know, if I meet a person on the street, I want them to feel just as special as if they were talking to their mom, you know, or whoever, their dad, you know, I want them to feel special. Uh, so I take that same ideology and, and I put it here in, into my job. So for me, it's, it's a, every day I just humble myself. You know, I, I don't have to be here. You know, God has placed me here um, and I'm, I'm just taking full advantage of it. You're from North Carolina. That's why it hit me when we first met in Detroit. I was like, where are you from? And you're just like, I'm from, I live in Charlotte, but you were from High Point and it just hit me. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh. <laughs> That's why we connected. But I want to kind of go back to your roots. Um, being from North Carolina, you, you went to South Carolina for school first before going to UVA. Just mm -hmm. kind of describe your basketball journey for people that might not know. Basketball journey started young, five years old in the front yard with my dad. Uh, you know, that my dad is, you know, he's very passionate about basketball. He's very passionate about his kids. He'll do anything for his kids. Uh, so he started me early, five years old. I remember just being so gassed in the front yard, you know, I, my neighbors mowing the lawn and I'm just out there breathing heavy and my dad's telling me to stand up, you know, don't, don't pull on your shorts, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, he kind of instilled that hard work mentality in me, you know, early, um, moving forward. Uh, we were still in the high point at the time. Um, then we moved to Charlotte, uh, went to high school in Charlotte, Charlotte Christian School. Um, some very famous basketball players come from there, Seth and Steph. Uh, Curry both went there uh, so watching them kind of grow up in the Charlotte area it was was amazing for me you know just to kind of watch uh, great basketball at a high level and then you know I, I kind of figured I always wanted to go to school there because it was such a great basketball school um, then I went to South Carolina for a year we had a unbelievably bad season you know we won two conference games <laughs> um, eight non-conference games and four of those games were against division two teams oh, wow. we, we barely squeaked those out um you know but i learned a lot that season we had great people there 
uh, we just couldn't figure it out. We couldn't click. Um, so I transferred to UVA after that. Um, I wanted to to be grow as a person. You know, grow. I, I felt like I had a lot of basketball skill, but I was figuring out, you know, what's the next step for me? How can I grow? Not only on the basketball court, but off the court. Uh, and I had Richard McKay, who is now the coach at Liberty um, University, and uh, he's my mentor, kind of like a second father figure to me. So he uh, he really mentors me even to this day. Um, and before when I was at UVA, and even before that, before uh, when I was getting recruited, uh, he tried to recruit me to Liberty before because he was at Liberty, then went to UVA, and then back to Liberty now. So, mm -hmm. but then now I'm here. So being from Charlotte, you mentioned the Currys, mm -hmm. but what about the legend of Ish Smith? And the only reason why I say legend is he makes me say that about him. <laughs> Where does your connection with Ish Smith come from? Uh, first off, would not call him a legend. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Not, There's somebody that agrees uh, with me. Ish, you're not a legend. I would not, that was, I would not call Ish a legend. Unbelievable <laughs> guy. Uh, you know, in Charlotte, uh, you know, he was one of those guys that I also looked up to. He was from a really country town uh, right outside of Charlotte. Um, so being able to watch him, you know, he was an amazing athlete in, in high school and obviously college as well and then now professionally. But I remember watching his games at Wake Forest. So like when I was getting recruited, I think I was in my freshman year of high school and Ish was playing at Wake Forest and they were one of the most exciting teams in the ACC. I mean, talking about flashy, they were all that. They played hard, a lot of NBA guys on that team. Uh, so I remember just James watching. James Johnson, Al Farouk Aminu, I think, was Lauren Wood on that team? Yeah, he was on that team. Yeah, they had a mob. Yeah. Uh, they had a lot. They had a lot of guys. They were really exciting to watch. Athletic, super athletic, mm -hmm. and Ish, uh, Jeff Teague, mm -hmm. and Ish ran the show. You know, it was it was one of those things where I would just go because I lived in High Point at the time, uh, and I would just go there just to watch. Like I would just take advantage of my visits because I would be like, "All right, we're coming today," <laughs> and I would just go watch Ish play. And to now come full circle and be able to play with him is just great. So when he got here. When did you know, did he, did he reach out? Did you reach out to him? How did you kind of find out he was coming back? Uh, when he was coming back mm -hmm. this year? Yeah. Oh, man, I was so excited. So we, I'm pretty sure we called each other at the same time <laughs> so, because that's my man. I mean, we, had, we have a really close relationship. And um, for him to be back here, you know, he just adds to the culture of, you know, great guys here and uh, a veteran leader, who, which we needed. Um, and it's just, it's, I'm happy that he's here. Uh, I want to go back to, to UVA, and you were talking about kind of how it kind of helped you grow as a man. You met your wife there. I actually met my wife in high school. In high school. Oh, you Actually, you guys have been yeah. together since, oh, you said, like 15? 15. So how does that kind of help you be kind of the player you are, trying to find that balance between, you know, work and home? Uh, so first and foremost, my family comes before anything. It comes before basketball. So if I'm spending too much time in here, and I know I need to, I need to recalibrate and, and understand that my family needs me. Um, so I, I pride myself on being the hardest worker. That means I have to be the first one in, last one out um, in the gym. But once I'm home, I fully commit myself to my family, my wife and three kids. And that's, that's just how I, I structure my life. And I want them to know that they're the most important things in my life, which they are. Um, and if basketball ever affects that, then you know I really have to restructure how I'm living uh, because I know that I was given gifts to be able to come out here and play basketball, but I have to take care of the ultimate gift that I have, which is my wife and kids first. 
What was that like when uh, earlier in the season the kids did the uh, the intros <laughs> for you guys? I just remember just kind of just looking up, going, "There's nothing better than this today. This is like the greatest thing Man. on earth." Seeing the kids kind of introduce their dads. Man, I, it was an unbelievable feeling. Like. I remember just sitting up looking at the like the jumbotron. I was just like, you can wave me right now. You can cut me. <laughs> like I've made I don't need any more money. I don't need anything else. Like this is the best like feeling cuz you know, growing up you're just like I want to build this, you know, this ideal life. I want to play in the NBA. I want to do all this kind of stuff. And then once you you know, you get married, you have kids, all that kind of stuff changes. Um, and to see that those those kids up there, man, that was like it was unbelievable for me. It's March, which means it's time for March Madness. Uh, your alma mater. Uh, you were gone when this happened. I think you were in Russia when they were the number one seed and got beat by UMBC. But can you just describe when you were playing in college what March Madness means to you? It was the best time of year. Not only because we were out of school, but uh, <laughs> but because you know it's it's you come really close. You're traveling a lot with your team. Um, the the atmospheres are unbelievable. Every single game counts tenfold, and it's it's just it's an amazing. You know what they've created there with March Madness is just unlike anything else. You can't recreate it. Um, and I actually missed a lot of those games, man. They were just so intense, so high level, and. You just had to be locked in at every single moment. You had to, you had to be able to, to be on your best, like your 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 p's and q's at every moment in each game. So I just I loved every second of it. Your favorite March Madness moment for you? Favorite March Madness moment. It's gonna sound funny, but my senior year we lost to Syracuse. We were up 16, um, up 16 with uh, about eight minutes or so left. And for a UVA lead, like, like we were talking about earlier, that's, that's like 30. Right. And, you, you know, you think you have it locked. But that moment kind of let me know that in my career we ended up losing that game. But that let me know, like, everything was going to be okay. Like, nothing is for certain as well. Like, so you always have to be prepared. You always have to stay through and fight everything. Uh, but that like, kind of let me know, like, everything's going to be okay. You know, it was, it was kind of like a... Um, you know, people expected us to do so much, and I expected so much of my, ourselves as well. But then we lost that game. Of course, it hurt. You know, I wanted, I wanted to go win a national championship. Uh, but that Syracuse game really put in, in perspective what basketball really meant to me, mm -hmm. and who like, I, I can't just get so caught up in, into into this game. Like, I I have to remember what's more important. I see my teammates crying. You know, we were all crying together after we lost that game. I have to be there for these guys. Like it's really important to them and what's really important to me is the next guy and I have to be there for him and, and that's really where I kind of got this mindset of like I have to be here for the next guy so and then you were in Russia when history happened when yeah. UVA lost to UMBC and mm -hmm. you were telling me before you actually watched that live mm -hmm. what time was that in Russia and then I can't imagine were you throwing things what happened I don't it was all a blur so I, I remember watching it and I just felt bad for the guys you know yeah. it was I played with a lot of those guys and um, and coach Bennett you know he worked so hard and that staff worked so hard to be in the position to be successful and to watch them be the first team out because uh, we were close when I was there mm -hmm. you know we we were down also 16 to uh, Coastal Carolina 
when I was there. And it was just one of those things where like, oh, we're almost going to be this team uh, to be the first team, the first number one seed to lose to the number 16 seed. We were almost that team. Uh, but for them to actually lose it, that was tough to watch. And because uh, I felt for those guys, man, it's just so much pressure being that team and, and everybody's on your, your case and you just feel like you let down everybody, the whole city, you know, the university, you feel like you let everyone down. Uh, but then the next year, mm-hmm. man, they bounced back like, like no other. And that was, that was big, man. That was big. Like you, you can't write stories like that. And I can't wait to watch, you know, the documentary mm-hmm. 10 years from now on, on everything that went down during that time. It's like the opposite. It was the, agony of defeat to the thrill of victory so to kind of go from being that first to do it but the very next year able to bounce back and cut nets i can't imagine kind of like how your emotions were as an alum from one year to another yeah it was it was great i remember my wife was about to have our second kid and uh we were in Asheville, kind of like on a little baby moon before we had that our second child and um and we were just watching the game and just I remember just like the feeling of like I was just like relieved for the guys on the court mm-hmm. you know for them to bounce back like that you know how tough like that is to lose to the number to the number 16 and then the next year come back and win it all like you got to have you know a strong strong heart for that and, and they did it so. I'm curious to know how kind of like basketball and then being a father now do you see some similarities of being a good teammate and, and trying to raise your kids right. Yeah, I think for me it's consistency. You know, and I just I talk about my job first. I want to be consistent every single day. I want to be consistent when I step on the court. I want everyone to know what they're going to get out of me um, when they see me, mm-hmm. and when I when I will get my number called. Um, it's the same thing with parenting for me. You know, I want my kids when they see me, they're going to get the same dad every single time. You know, I'm going to be joyful. I'm going to be excited to see them, but I'm also going to raise them the right way. And I'm going to be consistent with the lessons that I'm teaching them every single day. Um, so that way they know what to expect. And I don't want them to ever, you know, wake up and be like, whoa, what's dad going to be doing today? And so consistency is probably the biggest thing for me is I, I see those two things uh, hand in hand in basketball and parenting as well. Have you allowed yourself, last question, have you allowed yourself to kind of think what life after basketball looks like for Anthony Gill? Like what's what's kind of on your life track yeah I mean I think about it all the time I know I want to be with my family um, you know I don't know what what path that's going to take me in I don't know where God's going to take me but uh, ultimately I want to be around my family I've been away from them a lot you know with this travel of the hectic basketball seasons uh, so I know I want them to know that I'm there again to that consistency word I want them to know that dad's around uh, know that he's always going to be there for me uh, so whatever job that is outside of uh outside of this basketball world or even inside of it that's that's what i'll be doing i'm just gonna look in the camera right now and say unfortunately there's another one ladies and gentlemen that has a future in broadcasting another (laughs) one trying to steal my job ag thanks so much brother appreciate it thank you so much i really appreciate it and maybe next time we'll get ish on and then you and i can kind of bully him because you know he needs his ego to be kind of taken down a peg or two. I honestly think we should have more people in here and it could be more of argumentative setting. That would be great. The next podcast that we're going to have, ladies and gentlemen, with AG <laughs> will be with Ish Smith and we'll get a couple more guys in here. We're going we're gonna to chop it up. Thanks, man. Thank you, sir. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs>
Ladies and gentlemen, we start this edition of the Off the Bench podcast with the birthday boy, Corey Kispert. I'm not going to sing because it would be really, really bad. Yeah. But happy birthday. Thanks. Appreciate uh, it. Another year older and wiser. How do you approach year 23 on this planet? Um, hopefully do it a little bit better than 22. <laughs> I mean, that's all you can really ask, right? Um, still figuring things out and learning new lessons, but um, happy I've made it this far. Hoping yeah. for at least 23 more. I would have to say also happy birthday to your sister because you are a twin, but she's older. So happy birthday, big sister. Happy birthday, Casey Kispert. I'm looking at the camera. Hi, go. Casey. Happy birthday. Um, yeah, she's 20 minutes older. Going to give her a call as soon as we're done here, and um, hopefully she doesn't rub it in that she's 20 minutes older. Uh, so what's that kind of like being a twin of, uh, and sharing the same birthday, but knowing that your sister's older than you? Yeah, it was, it's always been good. Like, just growing up, we had, like, you know, one big birthday party, and all of our friends came over. Um, we always kind of ran in the same friend groups, so her friends were my friends, and we got along really easy. Um, and her and I are, you know, still really close to this day, and it's... Uh, everything from a built-in, you know, best friend to a classmate to, you know, a teammate, anything like that. Uh, she's always been by my side. So really thankful for her and um, glad I get to share the day with her. So let's get to a little bit of basketball stuff. Since we last talked, there's been a change in the roster a mm -hmm. little bit. Yeah, Trade little bit. deadline kind of happens. This is kind of like your first time going through yeah kind of the business of basketball. How did you handle trade deadline day? Yeah, it was, I mean, I've always followed trade deadline day, you know, leading up to this year. I mean, I've always had it on my phone, kind of looking through and checking Twitter, but being kind of in the mix and like being a part of it is a totally different thing. You feel those nerves more often. You feel the connections to the guys that leave and the guys that come in. So um, definitely higher emotion. Um, but uh, from what I've been told and what I understand, it's just part of the business of basketball and that's just the way it is. So everybody who got moved, you know, across the league during the trade deadline understands that. And you know, thankfully I got to stay put and be a part of this team for the end of the season and, you know, hopefully many more. To see kind of guys go out and got guys kind of come in, what, what, what was kind of like that like yeah. for a rookie? Yeah, I mean, I just kind of felt like I just started to really develop some good relationships with the guys, you know, especially that left. And so um, kind of seeing them go, you know, tugs on your heartstrings a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that being said, I'm really happy with who we have in the building now. Like, that's um, they're guys that are you know eager to work every day and are great to be around. So um, you know it's just a matter of time until those things kind of start translating into a you know a winning locker room and a winning team. You're a fan of the NBA, so when you see Kristaps Porzingis' name attached to the Washington Wizards, and then you see this seven foot three guy kind of walk in, what did you think? Yeah, he's a lot taller. Like when you're like right next to him, like you just <laughs> your eyes keep going up and. He's a great dude, too. Like, I've, been, I've had a really good time getting to know him over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, he's going to do nothing but improve our team when he's healthy to play. Ish Smith comes back. Sato comes back. It's kind of like their second tour of duty. It's another side of business of basketball about really never burning a bridge. Mm -hmm. If you don't burn a bridge, you never know you might come back. Mm -hmm. What's it like kind of having, like, these two veterans now in the room? Yeah, those guys are the best. I mean, they're great locker room guys. Um, super friendly. Always find common ground with people. Um, and, you know, they're just a blast to play with, too. They push the ball. They know how to play. They um, keep it moving, and they, you know, always make the right play. So um, those guys will do nothing but good, you know, for the team. And I know I've had a blast getting to know them and getting to play with them. I um, mean, you know, like KP, they're going to make our team a lot better. I want to talk to you a little bit about Brad. Brad has been so complimentary of you really all year long. I remember when you first got here, he was like, 
Man, he really high IQ, athletic, can shoot, all these things. But every time that I talk to him, and I talked to him today about you, he said something very interesting about you just understand how to cut. And maybe basketball fans might not understand what that means. Can you kind of explain about just your level of understanding where you need to be on the floor? Yeah, it's just like it's it's reading and reacting. Like there's, there's these triggers that go on on the basketball floor that kind of let me know, like, now it's time to cut. Mm-hmm. And being a guy who – um, isn't the you know the strongest creator with the ball in my hands you know breaking guys off um, that's how I create you know shots of the rim I cut and especially for a guy like Brad who has a ball in his hands a ton and is in ISO situations a ton if I can move the defense behind him and make it easier for him to get to his spots um, it's gonna make us better as a team and he's smart enough that he understands that he I mean he has his eyes up he sees me cutting and he's hit me on multiple cuts and I've laid the ball in very easy twos so um, it helps create energy. It helps move the ball. Um, it helps us keep our spacing correct. And uh, it's just something that I've learned throughout my time in college. And it's gotten me a lot of really easy points, you know, in college and in the NBA now too. So um, don't plan on stopping really anytime soon. Knock on wood everywhere. You have improved your three-point shooting every month. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's kind of like the goal, right? Mm-hmm. You want to continue to, you know, traject upwards. What's kind of been the key for that for you? Yeah, it, it's just getting, you know, the just returning to what I expect as a shooter. We were talking about this before mm-hmm. we started recording. Um, like, I expect to make every shot I take. And during the beginning of the season, that was not happening. And it wasn't even close to being where I wanted to be. And it felt like I was kind of grasping for straws and looking for answers. And when I finally kind of took a deep breath and settled down and knew that, you know, I had plenty of time to make it up, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the numbers start clicking up and clicking up and clicking up. And now I'm shooting closer to what I expect. And I'm just, you know, regressing to what I've known for the last couple of years. So um, no crazy fixes, no big aha moments. I'm just kind of sticking with it. And, you know, um, you know, credit goes to guys like Brad and Coos and KCP who are always in my ear telling me to shoot more and be more confident. Um, You know, they have been a big help for me kind of getting back to what I usually do. It truly is kind of a return on your investment. The amount of time that you put in, Mm -hmm. you're seeing the residual effects of it. Mm -hmm. Um, As it pertains to like the games and the game flow, as the games keep coming, it keep coming in waves. Did you ever hit a rookie wall? And then did you ever like go, oh, okay. Oh, I can bring, okay. That that's over yeah. with now. I can get my wits about myself about yeah, the league. Yeah, never like a huge like rookie wall, but I mean, on the end of a road trip, last game of a road trip, you're like, man, I'm tired. Like, I want to go sleep in my own bed. Mm-hmm. Um, the All Star break came at a perfect time. You know, able to go go back, relax, recharge. Um, and, you know, when I came back in the building, I was really excited to mm-hmm. get after it again. And that's a sign of a perfect vacation, right? When you go back and you're ready to go and you're recharged um, and ready for the second half. So. Uh, just tiny little, no big rookie wall, just tiny little hurdles. Um, but, you know, being in a place where there's such great people, you know, all the way around, who have a great attitude and make, you know, going to work fun, um, it's hard to get too bogged down for very long. You'd be hard-pressed if you don't find anybody that's not happy for Rory to yeah. see what he is doing. And we were talking about three-point shooting with you. I mean, he mm-hmm. is shooting the cover off yep. of it. But just him being out there and playing with joy, I want to give you one example that I noticed, and I, I don't know if you saw this. So the last game before the All-Star break in Brooklyn, he scores 20, but he has 13 in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. There's a play that he made towards the end, and he's running down, and he has this 
million dollar smile his tongue is out mm -hmm. he is like having like the best fun ever and i remember saying that night that's the kind of joy you want to see from Rui. do you remember that moment and what was that kind of like for everybody because i think a timeout was called mm -hmm. and like he just was in like basketball euphoria at yeah. that moment and the thing is is like i've seen Rui in that moment or in that kind of basketball euphoria state so many times before mm -hmm. like that's just kind of what i'm accustomed to really loves having fun he loves joking around he loves keeping things light and so um when you play as really serious and like kind of bogged down like that's when he struggles so when he does have that joy and that euphoria and he's smiling and sticking his tongue out and um laughing like that's when he plays his best and we all know that mm -hmm. and so seeing him kind of have that game in and game out no matter if things are going good or bad for him um helps us and it helps him and he's like you said playing awesome and um, i don't see it, the train really slowing down anytime soon last question i'll get you out of here because i know you got some birthday stuff to take care of so this is kind of the down the stretch they come the fourth quarter of mm -hmm. a season and you guys are still in the chase for the play-in and potentially even making the playoffs even though brad porzingis are not playing in that room, do you guys feel like you have enough? And what is it going to take to get you guys to playing some basketball yeah. beyond April 10th? Absolutely. Absolutely we have enough, and we believe it. And the, you know, the energy to play every day in the locker room is so high. Um, guys trust each other. Um, and I really do think we're moving towards like a winning culture here, for sure. And I think what it takes, we've just kind of – you know, like blacked out for five minutes stretches on the court and, you know, teams make runs and they um, bring the game into, you know, within striking distance and all of a sudden it's who can make more clutch shots at the end and that decides games. I and mean, we saw that with, um, in Cleveland especially, you know, and we just got to make sure we sustain the level of play throughout the entire 48 minutes and I think we'll be okay. Like, um, we've had a ton of those close games where we've tricked them off when we yeah. should have won them and, you know, our playoff standing would be, a ton different right now if we would have secured you know half of those games we tricked off so um we're we're moving in the right direction we're looking good we just got to kind of stay focused throughout the entire game happy birthday brother thanks man we appreciate you time. Time. Cool. All right.